Well, I am uh, excited to be with you this morning and diving into God's Word, and we're talking about something that I believe influences every single one of us. We're talking about making plans. Some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we'd say, you know, I'm a, I'm a real plan maker. Like, I love to, like, map out the game plan even before I start the day. Others are like, you know what, I just kind of go where the day takes me. Either camp, if we're honest with ourselves... There is a degree of planning. There, there's a degree of making plans that happens, whether that plan is staying in bed all day. That still is a plan. You can encourage your uh, loved ones with that. That is a plan. Uh, but their planning is part of everybody's life. It's part of the, the, part of the deal. And I want to introduce to you this morning a few things just in setting up our conversation. And this is the first one, is the PATH Principle. A principle is a law that's happening whether we acknowledge it or not. A law that's happening whether we acknowledge it or not. One principle is this. All of us will end up somewhere in life. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Can we agree on that? So all of us will end up somewhere in life. Some will end up where we want to be. Others will not. Pretty profound, huh? Some will end up where we want to be. Others will not. And I want to introduce another principle that I think influences that is this simple one. I believe it uh, began or originated with Andy Stanley, a pastor on the East Coast. Is this direction, this is in your notes, direction, not intention, determines destination. Just think about that again. Direction not intention, determines destination. In other words, the way that things work is no matter what you want to go, every path has a destination. The direction you take always determines your destination, or in other words, the path always wins. Does that make sense? The path always wins. Regardless of your best intention, the path always wins. You can have in mind where you want the destination to be, but unless you set a course to get there, guess what? It won't happen. My family, I've talked about this before, has had a tradition. I'm going 40 years to the same place for vacation, Ocean City, New Jersey. We still do that. We usually do that in July. We have that on the calendar uh, this July. And uh, growing up, it was never a flight, it was never hopping on a plane, it was always a road trip. And the vehicle of choice, there she is, the wood paneling, it was a pretty one. Growing up, that was the, the Honda Odyssey of the 70s. Uh, but we would hop in that thing, and the way my dad chose, this was pre-seatbelt rules, uh, how we'd set it up is my dad would put down all the seats in the back, maybe you guys have done a road trip like this, and all the seats in the back, and then he'd, he'd do levels of the, of the uh, luggage all across the back. And then he would, his, his idea of the best safety plan was then to, to put a, a cushion or kind of a sponge thing on top of all the luggage, then he'd wedge each kid in there. It's kind of like an MRI machine where you're kind of laying there and you got about this much space between you and the ceiling and then start your 16-hour drive and then expect the kids not to fight. And so th- th- this, this was our idea of a vacation. And so, but I realized as I've gotten older that as he started out the, putting that dream machine in motion, heading in a, on a course, 
it wasn't just haphazard. He would think through very strategic. This was also not just pre-seatbelt, but pre-GPS. Think through very strategic how to get from the middle of Ohio to Ocean City, New Jersey. And he'd map out the course because the most important thing was to avoid the toll roads. Like you wanted to skip the the Pennsylvania Turnpike. You guys might know about these things called tolls. But he would map out different courses every year. And he'd think, all right, this is going to save us like 24 minutes if we take this road. He would carefully plot out the course because he understood that he wasn't going to get to the destination without a clearly planned out path. That was part of our experience growing up, and it continues now. We just hop on a flight. But uh, back then, that was it, and they had these atlases. I don't know if you used those before, where each one had like the state, on, one state on a page, and you'd, you'd finish your course, and you're like, oh, shoot, like we got to find, flip through, find oh, the next state over. But this always had the end destination in, in mind because direction, not intention, determines destination. So for us, with that reality or that principle in mind, whether we like it or not, it's part of our reality. So with that in mind, as a wise person, we want to not just pick the end destination. We want to also involve God in, all right, well, what's the right path in order to get there, right? That's what I'm going to pray towards this morning. Let me pray as we dive into the text. Dear Lord, Thank you for this opportunity to be together already this morning and worship you, to bring requests before you, acknowledging our dependence on you, that so many things we can't alter, we need you. And now, just as we dive into your word, we acknowledge that as well, that we need you to teach us, to meet us here in this moment. Pray that you'd adjust our mind, that this isn't for our neighbor, but this might even be a word from you to us this morning. We invite you now to speak to us in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you wouldn't mind turning with me, it's a lot easier to be all looking at the same uh, verses. There's a lot to unpack here just in three verses. Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 3, we're going to be looking at. We're going to hopefully come to the realization that God wants to be included in every aspect of the process, choosing the desired destination and plotting the appropriate path to get there. I'm going to read these first three verses, and then we'll break them down a bit. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Interesting statement. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. All right, let's explore the text a little bit. Let's talk about that. The first verse that I noticed the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The plans of the heart, what I first noticed in the text, you might see this as well, is that the plan starts with me. The plan starts with me. That's a little bit of a, a scary but important reality to embrace, that God has established in this world a system of free will where he allows us to be a part of the plan process. That should be, for some of us, a little bit like, 
oh shoot, there's some responsibility in this. And so he says it starts with our heart. We spent a lot of time this past fall, if you remember, we were in the shape workshop, we were talking our, our series, that we were talking about the unique way that God's wired each one of us with giving us different heart, different passions, different experiences, abilities, personality, all of those things, a part of shaping kind of how, where he wants us to go because he allows us to be a part of the plan. We're not just sitting around waiting for a carrier pigeon to arrive on our doorstep with a, hey, this is where you're going. We get to be involved in the process, which is exciting, but also a little bit daunting if we're honest with ourselves. Plans of the heart. God allows us to follow our heart. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to be actively involved in the process or that he's disinterested in our planning or where we land, how, how we choose to get there. He wants to be intimately involved, in fact. And the plan that starts with me, it depends which me it starts with. It can start with the self-centered, fleshly me, or it can start with the fully submitted, okay, God, where do you want me to go next me? There's two different versions of me that it can start with, and that's what we're going to talk a bit about as we progress. As we're trying to, for the person that's fully submitted and saying, you know what, I want the me that's like bending a knee and saying, I can't figure this out on my own, that person has to ask some big questions about, okay, well, how do this, does my plans, how do my plans coincide with God's will? I don't know if you've had that wrestling match and that conversation. Well, what is God's will? What's his, his, the bigger picture? I, for many years, 15 years, in fact, was a young adults pastor working with different young adults, and so often that was the conversation how do I identify, how do I have clarity on God's will for my life? Have you guys wrestled through that before? Or maybe you're in the middle of that now. An important piece is to understand how God's will works. We've talked about this before in church, but three different categories I've labeled sovereign will, moral will, and individual will. God's sovereign will is the big picture stuff. What he says he will do, he's going to do. Good, good luck getting in the way of God's big picture plan. Like, it's not going to happen. What he says, what he's intended to do, it's going to happen. It's a guarantee. I've read the end of the book, and I know how it ends. It's going to happen. Nothing's going to alter that. So you have his sovereign will. You also have his moral will, which is what we are told, the do's and the don'ts. Do this, don't do that. That has to do with his moral will. If you will, we talked about it last week, the idea of boundaries, like guardrails, where, yeah, there's some, some changing lanes that is an option within our, our, our planning, but there's also some real strict, like, hey, don't go over, over this line. You hear the, the, the bumps as you get closer to the, the guardrail. And how many times, so many things in our life, if we're honest, the, the, the hard stuff we've been through is like, yeah, got a little too close to the side. Or, yeah, I crossed over that. And look at the, look at the, uh, the pain and suffering. We talked about that last week. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. That's talking about his moral will. And probably the one that we wrestle with probably the most is understanding God's individual will. Individual will. What, what is the personal roadmap that he has for us? We get it. We get the big picture idea. We get the idea of the boundaries. But what about for me specifically? That goes back to what I was pointing out, that there's a degree of free will in this. James McDonald in his book, Way of Wisdom, talks about how many get sidetracked in this 
thinking of individual will. It says this, When growing up, I was taught that God had an individual will for each one of us. God's will was portrayed as sort of a dot, a very tiny, specific dot out there, and I better get on it. I was instructed to figure out where that dot was and let that determine all the choices for my life, where I worked, who I married, and where I lived had to fit on the dot. Have you been grow, Have you uh, been raised with that type of thinking? Is that kind of the mentality? It was like, all right, got to figure out where the dot is. I got to make sure I stay on it. And I, whoa, I came off. Now I'm going to get God's second best for my life. That can really paralyze people, if we're honest. It can it can really cripple us. You think about if you take that to the extreme. Okay, well, 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 what if my parents were off the dot? You know, like, where, what do you do with that? Like, that, that stinks. What, what, if, what if my marriage, my choice of a partner was off the dot? I, I knew I wasn't supposed to marry him. Like, uh, that, like that, that can derail so many things with that limited type of thinking. But instead, God's individual will is that he goes along the journey with us. That we walk through that word. It doesn't teach on a specific blueprint and if he, wants their, if he wants you to do something specific, do you not think he has the ability to let you know? How many times have you had something in your life that like, I knew God wanted me to do it, and it wasn't like it was a soft voice. It was like, no, you need to do this. Like, he, he's never left, left wanting, like, oh, I can't communicate to him. He's never, like Moses, there was a burning bush. Like, when he wants to communicate something, he's not ineffective in that. So when there's something specific... He'll make sure to let you know, but then when there's not, there's a degree of freedom in that. But in that freedom, not abusing that and saying, no thanks, I'm just going to plow through this and do it on my own, being dependent on him, allowing him to veto when needed. I love in the second part of the verse, it says, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In other words, you might propose your plan but he, he, he has the final veto. He might say like, no, that's not going to happen. You might think you have it all figured out or solved. And he's like, nope, that's not where you're going. That's not where we're taking this. He has the veto power. Man proposes, God disposes. I like that quote. I think like the thinking of really when we're thinking in terms of plans, writing it in pencil rather than pen. So there's an adjustment potential where you're like, yeah, this is where I, I sense I'm going but not necessarily, I want to leave it up to God to decide. But I love the fact, and there's some freedom in this, that God chose to not make us robots. There's not like, okay, we have to do this. There's some freedom. He allows some freedom to enjoy, to go different routes. It's kind of, kind of like you see a plate of cookies left out in front of you. There's some choices in which cookie you're going to select. Hey, eat any one of them. My, my favorite, I've talked about this before in services, is there's a cookie company my friend's sister owns. It's called Cookies by Joey. You can order them online. They are redonkulous. Like these cookies are so good. It's just a plethora of different flavors, a chocolate chip. My, my personal favorite is this, this toffee fudge chocolate chip, just ridiculous. And, uh, and so I think of that all out on a platter, and there's nobody there saying, like, as you, as you choose the one mint flavor, there's not somebody smacking your hand and saying, like, nope, wrong one. Like, no, it's all part of the gift. 
You're, you're, you're allowed to go different routes within those parameters. God gives some freedom to follow your heart and your passion. That's why he's wired us up with that. So first, understanding that it starts with him and there's some freedom of choice. But there's also some cautions with that in verse 2. Allow God to check your plans. Verse 2 says this, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. I think that's an interesting verse. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. In other words, pure meaning fault, it means faultless. Everybody thinks they're right. Have you noticed this? you're married, you have. Everybody thinks they're right. Everybody thinks they're, they're, they're right, that their plan, their, their, their way of, of navigating life, everybody thinks they're right. They've got it all figured out. But here's the caution that it's giving us, is that he's saying that we shouldn't be blinded by the extent that sin has tarnished our way of thinking or seeing things, that we can't necessarily trust what we think is right. Because why? Because everybody thinks they're right. Everybody does. Everybody thinks that their plan is the best, and that's why it's so key that God is involved in that planning process. It says the Lord weighs the Spirit. He weighs and determines. The idea of him weighing something points to the fact that there's usually some assessment that needs to be done, that there's some, some faulty thinking maybe in our planning Think how often in Scripture we see of a, a man's plan and God saying, no, you maybe thought that was right, but that was so off. One of the, my favorite Old Testament stories is the story of Gideon. If you've spent time in that, that story in Judges 6 through 7, the account of, of God using this man to direct uh, at that time, it started as a, as a military but he planned, in Gideon's mind, he planned with, for 32,000, you remember the story, 32,000 men with swords. It was gonna, how it was going to be accomplished. And, and then God said, you know, I've got a little different plan. Not 32,000 men with swords. Why don't we do 300 men with jars? Wait a second. God's plan isn't always the same. Sometimes he's like, you know what? You might have this idea of how this is going to work best. You might even think you're fully right in your mind, but sometimes his plan, in fact, always his plan is better. In Acts 9, we think of uh, the story of Saul on the road to Damascus, and he's on the road, and he's doing what in his mind was right. He believed that persecuting and killing Christians was before God the right thing to do thought that he was acting in accordance with the God that he was following and serving. And then what happened? On that road, literally on his path, God intervened said, nope, that's not it. You're off track. You've fallen. You're, you're, you're thinking your planning is flawed. You can keep going with a list of just story after story of man's thinking being flawed. Peter, even with the sharing the gospel in Acts 10, thought it was just going for his good news for the Jewish people. God had to intervene and say, yeah, it is good news for Jewish people, but it's also really good news for Gentiles. Aren't we so thankful that God redirected that, planned that path? Every single one of these things important to allow God to check your plan. It's the fact that he needs to weigh our spirit implies that it's not trustworthy. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, many of us have committed this to memory. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, 
acknowledged him. And what does it say? And he will make straight your paths. I love that picture. I love that picture because two reasons. One, we can't trust ourselves. Two, we don't see the whole picture. We don't see the bigger picture that he does. So making sure that we allow God to check our plans. I want to hit pause just for a second in the service with that because I want to ask the question in your own life before this just becomes more information. Is, are there any plans that you need to run through the, his filter to assess your heart on that, assess whether it's right. Is there anything that you're maybe in the, in the middle of just blazing on, blazing, moving forward, and it could really stand to slow down and see like, well, God, what are your plans for this? What, what needs to go through that filter? What needs, to, what needs to be have assessed and wrestle through? But yeah, this is what I think is best. But God, what do you think about this? Career choices. Financial decisions, relationships, ministry involvement. You, relate, you, you fill in the blank what that is. What needs to slow down a little bit? So easy, isn't it, to just get so you're just moving at 500 miles an hour and you're like, man, I'm not even asking God about that. I'm just doing what I think is best in my own mind. But wait a second, here it says that my mind is tainted and, and, and maybe what I think is best isn't best. What do we need to slow down and ask God to check your plans about. Not just ask him to check your plans, but verse 3 we're going to see, allow God to reply to your plans. It says, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The word commit there actually means the same as the word roll. Rolling something onto something else. The idea of transferring it, transferring your plans Onto him, transferring the opportunities. It's an act of trust and submission, the idea of committing your work to the Lord. This is a picture of what the conversation should look like if it's healthy. It should be with our plans going before the Lord, saying, This is what I sense I'm supposed to be doing. However, I know I can't be trusted. I need you to weigh my motives. And determine my my steps, I turn it over to you. What would happen? How would that just drastically change the the way we do plans, the way we interact with life if we started just with that simple conversation? This is what I what seems to be right. This seems to be where you want me to go. I I I feel like that's the right choice, but I know that I'm not trustworthy. So God, please direct me. And then here's the catch. Not just asking the question, waiting for the reply. Waiting for the reply. Some of us are like, yeah, I I ask about it. But what about actually waiting for the reply? Waiting for him, what does it say? He will establish them. Establish, make that happen, if you will. He will be the one that establishes them. So we might be good at asking the question, but what about waiting for his reply? In the process of uh, moving out here, from uh, the Midwest, my, my wife and I, you might not have known this, but we had two different conversations with two different churches, this being one of the churches. We were talking with another church in Santa Clarita uh, about uh, ministering out there. And I remember in that process, this was before we even started talking to folks at uh, the church here. Remember in that process, uh, they had 70 different candidates for this uh, position there. And, uh, and th- they narrowed it down to one candidate, and 
that I was the candidate. So they invited me, invited me out to come and meet the team and work through things with the church and sit down and talking with the elders. And it was interesting in the conversation, and I have a lot of respect for the elders of that church, because in the conversation, by the end of it, they're like, you know what? On paper, it seems like it makes sense, like you're, like all, like it seems like you're a great person, you know, like all these things. They said, but we've just been waiting for God to give the green light, in other words, for him to reply whether this is right or not. And they said, we know, we, we've committed that we're not willing to move forward until they, he- until they heard that reply. I remember thinking like, oh man, that's tough. You know, like we thought it seemed like it was, it was such a, it, it was like the, the girl that you're dating telling you that God told, the, told her to break up with you. What, what do you say? There's, there's no debate there. Like, uh, like uh, you're, you're kind of stuck. And so it was kind of like, well, okay. And, and so, and so, but it was so fun to watch how God worked in that process, how sometimes his plan, not sometimes, always, when we submit it to him, that, his, that, that he's, he's like, wait, I got, I got something better for you. I know this, this little church in Agora Hills. That I think you're going to really like the people there. I think you're going to really fall in love with the community and really have a, a heart for the, the lost there and really, and really want to mesh with this, uh, this little subdivision, that, this group of townhomes that you're going to live in. I've got a plan that's better for you. A lot of times we need to slow down enough to actually listen to his reply. Too often we want to have him lead at the beginning and bless at the end, but he wants to be a part of the entire process. Does that make sense? A lot of times we want to bring it to him and like, yeah, that's, you got the green light, go. And then we'll see it and we'll celebrate the, the end result. And he's like, no, I want to walk through that with you through the entire process. He wants to be a part of the path. So my hope is this morning, this causes us to reflect a little bit on this simple principle that I started with, direction, not intention, determines destination. That the direction that we set is going to determine where we end up. That's a key principle in this. And that direction, that path, if you will, that we set, he's like, God wants to be involved with that. He, he, he recognizes that he's given us free will and allows us to start with us. But he also recognizes that, that, that he wants to be the one that we run it through the filter. He wants to be through that. We want to, he wants us to wait on a response from him, a nudge, an open door, a closed door, whichever it is. He wants to be involved with the entire process. A lot of us, if we're honest, we maybe started many years back and we had a real clear direction and we had a real clear path of getting there. But the funny thing, what I've noticed in the way that life works you can like have all these great intentions, but that path starts to get nudged a little bit off, and you're, all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, where was I going? I was reading this week the story of Albert Einstein, who's kind of a, uh, a fun guy. The, uh, all the, the great pictures of him that are out there make me laugh, but the one, one story of him riding on a New York uh, on a New York train, or actually a train bound for New York, he was on the train and uh, was heading there. And as he saw the person collecting tickets coming down the row, he started trying to reach around, try to find where his where his plane t- where, where his train ticket was at. And he, it, as he was getting closer and closer, he's like, "Man, I, I can't find this thing." And the, the 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 ticket collector finally arrived at his spot, 
and he sees that he's scrambling, and he recognizes, oh, that's Einstein. And, uh, like, uh, and, and so he said to him, he said, he said Mr. Einstein, don't, don't worry about it. Like, I, if you've lost your ticket, I, I trust that, that you've purchased one, and it's, it's going to be fine. You just stay. And so, the, uh, and so he just, the, the, the ticket collector kept on walking by. Well, then on the next pass, the, trick, the ticket can, uh, collector walks by Einstein again, finds him now on the floor, like scrambling, trying to find this ticket. And he's trying to calm Albert Einstein down, just calm down a little bit. Hey, it's fine. We, we trust you. And Albert Einstein, I love his reply, he says, this isn't a matter of trust, but of direction. I need to find the ticket because I forget where I'm going. <laughs> And I, I think that's a picture, if we're honest with ourselves, we can get so busy and like going all different directions and we're like, wait a second, where am I headed? You might have had some place that you're like, I, I wanted to get there. I intended to, I had the best intentions, but the path that I was taking was all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, I want to become more Christ-like, but... I'm not really taking a path that's going to help that. I, I, wanted to be, I wanted to have an impact in the community that I'm in. Wait a second. I don't even know my neighbor's name. Like, uh, wait, wait a second. I, I, wanted to be, I wanted to have a, a business where I was, I was earning, but I was also giving back a, a big portion to expand the kingdom. But wait a second. I kind of lost track in that. So easy along the way, if we're not careful, for that principle to get us direction not intention, determines destination. My prayer is that this, this proverb be one that kind of jolts us back, gives a little nudge back on track that says, you know what, let's make sure that I'm getting this process right. Yes, I'm involved in the decision-making process. Yes, I'm involved, but I'm giving him veto power. I'm bringing things before him. I'm taking the actual, actually taking the time to listen to him before I move Submitting to his will, not my own. That's what it's calling us to. Let me pray. God, I thank you for how practical this text is, just talking with plans. If we're honest with ourselves, so many of us have maybe gotten off track where we had all these great intentions. We don't just stumble upon those final destinations without you involved in the process. Pray that this morning may even be a, a redirect gets us back on track, gets us back including you in the process, part of the relationship. And I thank you for your patience with us, your grace, and the, the adventure that you've invited us on to, to partner with us. I thank you that you, the God of the universe, the creator, wants to be actively involved with the creation. We praise you this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.